All those arguments about the law, shun that stuff, shun the disputes. That's our word. Why? For they are unprofitable and worthless. Oh, brother and sister, we need to understand that half of our so-called apologetics is unprofitable and worthless at times. Thanks for joining us for this weekend edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. Equipping the Saints is a daily radio outreach from Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, your message today reminds us that our behavior towards others may have eternal consequences. You know, Dave, as, as we're going to see, our words and our behavior do have eternal consequences. And, and so we need to take great care in how we interact with those around us. So how should we behave in the midst of a lost and dying world and, and maybe even those who oppose us? Let's find out. Our text is Titus chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 and 2. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, if you want to listen to today's broadcast again, just download our new free app from the Apple App Store. You'll find today's broadcast, archived broadcasts, as well as more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how to respond to each person. Now, I don't have time to go through this, but I just want to point out a few things here. Paul is telling the Colossian believers here in this passage that they are to live lives or conduct their lives with wisdom. And we know from Scripture there are two types of wisdom from above and from below. Conduct your life in the context of God's wisdom from the Word, making the most of the opportunity, or that phrase, if you were with us in Colossians, was literally redeeming the time, buying back the time. You squandered the time when you weren't saved. You squandered the time around people. Buying it back, he says, let your speech always be with grace. You want to redeem the time? Let your speech always be with grace. Don't malign anybody. Seasoned, as it were, with salt. What's grace? It's the people you're talking to don't deserve the way you speak to them. They are unsaved. They are disobeying God. They're in sin. They don't deserve you to be kind. I'm not talking about addressing their sin in the context of the gospel, but they don't deserve that. They deserve God's wrath. But let your speech be seasoned with grace towards non-believers. Do we stand up with signs God hates so-and-so? Let it be seasoned with grace, as it were, with salt, so that you may know how to respond to each person. If your speech is gracious, then you're going to know how to respond to each person. Our speech is always to be salted with grace. What makes our speech different than those who don't know Christ? It should be absent of slander, and it should be flavored with grace. I will ask you, is your speech absent of slander and flavored with grace towards those who do not believe? So often our word is not seasoned with grace. We can be very ungracious towards those who are sinful. I'm not talking about addressing sin in the right context for the sake of sharing the gospel. I'm just talking about the fact we can be very ungracious to people who do not know Christ because of the way they behave around us. I've seen it in workplaces where people say, I'm a Christian, don't you dare use the Lord's name in vain around me. That's not gracious. That's not seasoned with grace. Give them grace. They don't know Christ. You might graciously say, you know, that 
maybe an opportunity to share the gospel, you know, you're sharing the name of the person I love the most. Be gracious. We need to stop judging the world with our speech. We're not talking about sharing the gospel and addressing sin. We need to be gracious. Now, our speech is not only to be gracious to non-believers, or Dean's speech should be gracious for those who believe, too. Towards those who believe. Ephesians 4.29 Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such as a word which is good for edification, that builds up. Now, sometimes there is rebuke and exhortation and those things which will build up. But it's to be according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Believer, if you're maligning people, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Just confess it. If you have somebody you have maligned, I'd confess it to the Lord right now. And I would go to that person and tell them you're sorry. And I would go to the people that you have maligned them to and say, you know what, I'm sorry. Do gracious words of truth fall from your lips in the midst of those who do not know Christ? To malign no one. I hope so. I'm reminding you today to malign no one. I'm reminding myself. We need to be reminded, right? Psalmist writes in Psalm 141, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. God, sovereignly guard my speech. Okay. So first of all, be ready for every good deed. Secondly, we're not to speak evil against anyone. And now third, I believe, we're not to contend, but forbear, showing consideration or gentleness towards all men. Back to Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. And here we have the last of the three things in our to-be's here. We had three to-be's. To be ready, to malign no one, and then here, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Now we need to recognize that The verb to be is in a present tense. Continually, habitually, we are to be this way. And he gives two modifiers from that. We are to be two things, and in the context of those two things, we are to be showing this gentleness or consideration for all men. To be, first of all, uncontentious. The term in Greek is a machos. A being a negation. Machos or mache, speaking of a physical fight or a contest fought with weapons. It was used figuratively in Scripture of speaking of strife, disputes, and quarrels. We are to be uncontentious. This word contention is used in Scripture in some very familiar verses. James chapter 4, verse 1. What is the source of your quarrels and your mache, your conflicts? Among you. What's the source? Is not the source the pleasures or desires that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder, and you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And folks, we are given some good advice in Scripture concerning this word also on how we should relate to non believers in concerning arguing about doctrinal issues. Titus 3.9, just down a little bit. But shun 
foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law. All those arguments about the law, shun that stuff, shun the disputes. That's our word. Why? For they are unprofitable and worthless. Oh, brother and sister, we need to understand that. Half of our so-called apologetics is unprofitable and worthless at times because we're disputing and arguing rather than declaring the gospel in a gracious way. Luke chapter, I think it's one or two, talks about gracious words coming off the Lord's lips. Well, Second Timothy also shares this also. Second Timothy 2.22 Now flee from youthful lusts, and I love this, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And who are you to pursue that with? With non-believers? With those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. But in contrast, in doing that, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce mache. They produce this fighting and quarrels. And we are to be uncontentious. We're not to contend with an evil world. We're to be uncontentious. So often we contend with those who do not know Christ because we care for them at times, but we contend with them. Stop arguing with non-believers. Stop quarreling with them. Stop contending with them. Don't do it. We're to be uncontentious. Yes, we know the truth. Yes, they are wrong. Yes, they malign you. Yes, they are evil. They're in the domain of darkness. But as we will see next week, we were the same way until Christ changed us. Don't malign them. They can't change. They need Christ just like you needed Christ. You see how Satan gets into our evangelism and does so much damage in the church? Rather than Christ-like people sharing the gospel in a gracious, uncontentious, and as we will see, gentle way. But you might say, aren't we to contend earnestly for the faith? Yes, but the context is different. The context in Jude is false teachers who have crept into the church unnoticed, not non-believers. False teachers make believers have snuck into the church and we are to contend earnestly. We are to be gracious and have mercy on some and snatch them out of the fire, right? But there is no mercy in Scripture for the false teacher. There is condemnation and destruction, as God declares. Now, some will erroneously and maliciously malign leaders of the church saying they shouldn't contend with false teachers. I'm not talking about exhorting and refuting and sound doctrine and silencing contradictors as we've seen. But even elders are supposed to be uncontentious, 1 Timothy 3.3, but they still have to exhort and refute in sound doctrine. Speaking about contending with people, I don't want to ask you, are you contentious? Are you contentious in your relationships? Are you contentious? We're to be uncontentious. I was driving along just the other day, and a lady pulled up next to me and gave me a wave with her hand, which was not very nice. And I won't say it for the little kids. My temptation was to contend with her. You are wrong. You're treating me wrong. How evil for you to do that to me. But God reminded me as I was studying this passage to be uncontentious, to be gentle. 
So often our flesh wants to grab onto its rights. And we're going to see that not only are we to be uncontentious, that we are to be gentle. Titus 3.1, reminding them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. That's our first thing. To malign no one. That's our second thing. To be uncontentious. And then he says, gentle. Gentle. We need to be reminded, brothers and sisters, to be gentle, don't we? We need to be reminded. Now, this term, translated gentle, is speaking much more than just gentleness. There are different terms in Scripture that speak of gentleness. We're actually going to see another term for that later on, translated consideration, which is another word to say meek. Here, this word is different. It actually speaks more of a gentle yielding. It actually is translated in Philippians 4 or 5 as forbearing. It is a gentleness that yields rights. We're to be uncontentious. Yes, we have the right to declare things about stuff, right? Yields. A gentle yielding. It speaks of a forbearing, a sweet reasonableness. And I like what one pastor says about this word. He says the word translated forbearing or gentle here is a broad word and there is no one word in English that fully translates it. The word described as gentleness, forbearing, yieldedness, and congeniality, kindness, gentleness, mildness, magnanimity, generosity, all these words would be instrumental in expressing the meaning of this Greek word. It indicates a willingness to give up your personal rights and show consideration, gentleness, and kindness to other people. We're to be reminded to not be contentious, but gentle. A gentle yielding of your rights. Now, let me remind you this. This does not originate from us within our flesh. We cannot do this. And the world cannot do this. It comes from Christ. Second Corinthians 10.1 Now I, Paul, myself urge you in the meekness and gentleness of Christ. That's that word. And by the way, it is a characteristic of God's wisdom. James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. That's that word. And also we see that all believers are expected to be yielding this way. Philippians 4, as I shared before, Philippians 4, 5, let your forbearing, or this gentle, this word for gentle, forbearing spirit be known to all men. Why? The Lord's near. You don't need to grab your rights. He's your Lord. The Lord is near. Uncontentious. Gentle. Well, who are we to be gentle to, ultimately and uncontentious to? All men, as we'll see. Rather than being contentious, there is a gentle yielding of one's rights. And I love how these words are placed together by the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit. Rather than being contentious, we are yielding our rights. We are gentle. The Lord is near. You trust him. He died for your sins. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of everything. The Lord is near. Brothers and sisters, this is how we are to treat certainly believers, but most definitely those who don't know Christ. We've got all sorts of ways to evangelize that really don't come from the Scripture. They may be bad, they may be good, they may be neutral, but they're not from the Word of God. But we have in the Word of God how we are to relate to non-believers, and that's what we should be doing first. Gentle and uncontentious. Now as we go, we see in the final portion of this verse that this gentle and uncontentious demeanor that we are to have is modified by one more phrase. 
Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle. And then there's a participle, showing every consideration for all men. The term translated showing here speaks of a continual, habitual, demonstrating or proving externally. It speaks of giving outward proof. People should see this. It should be demonstrated giving outward proof. You can't give outward proof of your gentleness and consideration hiding in a monastery. There's a demonstration of this. Now, what are we to be demonstrating? Literally showing, not every, but literally all, showing all consideration, and literally it says towards all men. I usually like the NASB. It's my favorite translation, but I like the New King James too, and I believe the New King James translates it more rightly here. There's a preposition, pros. It means towards, showing consideration towards all men. That's the idea of they say for here ultimately, but it's towards. We should be continually demonstrating by our actions the consideration towards all men. There's no excuse, there's no exclusions that no one's left out, right? Now I need to make one last point here. This word translated consideration is actually another word that's usually translated gentle or meek in Scripture. It speaks of strength under control. It is meekness is not weakness. It is strength under control. It is strength that accommodates another's weakness, showing consideration. They are dead in their trespasses and sins, showing consideration. It is a characteristic of Jesus Christ, and we are to be reminded to be like Christ. Matthew chapter 11, very familiar passage for some of you. Come to me, this is Jesus speaking, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I just, as I was reading, I was thinking about the Lord's gentleness and uncontentiousness towards Judas and towards others. Now you saw him address false teachers, certainly. And then he says here, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for here we are. I am gentle. He is sweet, reasonable. He is forbearing. He is gentle. And here we see, ultimately, he is meek, gentle and humble in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. This is the only time in Scripture that Jesus describes himself. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. We should be gentle Towards all men. We should be meek towards all men, showing consideration, demonstrating that towards all men. I want to ask you, do you show and demonstrate meekness towards every man, woman? We are so tempted by this Christian culture to take a stand for our Christian rights. We are so tempted to make everyone who is not a believer act like a believer. And because that's not ultimately God's will to make them act like a believer when they're not believers, because no one can be changed apart from Christ, we then employ methods that result in contention, not gentleness, quarrels, not kindness, and we demonstrate and prove ourselves not to be considerate towards all men. We need to stop telling non-believers to act like believers. We need to yield to those rights, be sweet and reasonable, stop contending, But you say, how do we make the gospel known then? It's so simple. When non-believers see the life of Christ in us, 
when they see we are not weary and heavy laden, when they recognize His gentleness in us, when they see we have hope, because we have set Christ as Lord of our hearts, then maybe, then maybe they might ask us why we have hope. First Peter 3.14 But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. But do not fear their intimidation, do not be troubled, but instead, here's what you should do, but sanctify Christ, set him apart as Lord of your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for your hope. He's not saying defend the issues of the faith. He's saying give an apology for why you have hope, yet with gentleness and reverence. I have never seen a non-believer in the midst of an argument over evolution and creation ask why we have hope. Never. I've never seen a non-believer in the midst of a confrontation over their sin, not in the gospel, ask why we have hope. Folks, we need to be gentle and considerate towards all men. We need to share the gospel. It's going to bring up their sin. They're going to hate us for that. But we need to be gentle. So then how are we believers to behave in the midst of an ungodly world? Should we be standing on the street corner saying repent? Should we be holding up signs saying God hates this type of behavior? Should we be priming the gospel pump with bringing in the world's views so that they'll like us? Should we use evolution creation as our stepping stone to share the gospel? Should we be isolating ourselves from the wicked world? Folks, here's how we're to act. And if we haven't mastered this in Christ, we shouldn't be doing anything else. To be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing consideration for all men. Stop the gimmicks God hasn't shared in his word to get people saved and start behaving righteously towards non-believers. We need to obey those direct commands first. Let me ask you this. Are you ready for every good deed? Are you one who doesn't speak evil of people? Do you forbear rather than contend? Do you show consideration for all men? We're reminded to do that. You see, non-believers can't do good in God's sight. They speak evil. They are contentious. They are not meek. And they need to be redeemed and set free of their bondage. And as we'll see next week, we were just like them. It should motivate us to be gentle and contentious, to malign no one, to be ready for every good deed. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org.
Greg, in our few moments together as we close today's broadcast, would you review the three ways that we're to behave around those that we come in contact with? You know, Dave, the Apostle Paul reminds us that, first of all, we're to malign no one. We are never to speak in derogatory or demeaning ways with anyone or towards anyone. We're to speak in ways that are kind and respectful. Secondly, we're to be uncontentious. We're we're not to be picking fights with people, either verbal fights or or physical fights. We're to live at peace with those around us. and, And within that, we're to be gentle. And third, we're to show consideration to all men, especially those who oppose us. You see, it's only as we trust Christ and his character is manifest in us that we are able to do these things. And and if we allow Christ to live through us, we're going to see his life manifest. And it may be the very opportunity that God uses to share the gospel with a lost and dying world. So with that in mind, just trust the Lord and allow his word to control your behavior in the midst of those who do not know Christ. As we close today's broadcast, here's an important message from our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. Hi, this is Greg Lundstedt, and it is my great privilege to study and teach the Word of God and to share it with you each day on this radio station. And as you listen, I want to ask you this question. Has equipping the saints been a blessing to you? If so, would you prayerfully consider coming alongside us financially You see, your financial partnership with us is so appreciated. So on behalf of the team here at Equipping the Saints, we want to praise our Lord and thank you for your prayers and financial support. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, to partner with us, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. Or if you prefer to send a gift online, our web address is etsradio.org. Well, we hope you make plans to join us again right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Yeah.